chapter of the book of Proverbs and we are going to read verse 5 we're going to break this down hopefully we'll really have an understanding of what the Lord is wanting to say to us today and uh Let's see, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Now, that seems very simple. Uh, and most of the time when people read that, they automatically assume that they have this scripture down already. To trust in the Lord, and uh, looking at what it says there, and how it says to do it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And so if it tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, then that must mean that it's possible to trust in the Lord, but not with our whole heart. Now, if that's possible, to trust in the Lord, but not with our whole heart, then that means that we can come up, we can trust in God, period, and then still fail. And if we're not careful, because we don't know that there are degrees to this trust that we're supposed to have for God, then we'll, we'll really believe that I really trusted in God and I still failed. Or the situation didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go. But look at what it says. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Does everybody see that now? Now, how, then the question may be, how do we know that we are trusting in God with our whole heart. Let's read the second part of that verse. And lean not unto thine own understanding. So how do we know then that we are trusting in the Lord with our whole heart? I know I am when I'm not trying to bring in my own ideas and mix them with that trust that I have in God. The other day, my wife had had a dream. And uh, I asked her, I said, what do you think that dream means? She said, I don't know. What do you get out of it? I said, I don't know. It could be this, it could be that. And she got on up, went, went somewhere. And then when I laid my head back down on the pillow, the Lord said, and I, this is after uh, of, uh, several minutes of me thinking about it, maybe 30 minutes of me thinking about this dream and trying to put it together, the Lord spoke to me very, very briefly and told me, he said, you didn't ask me what the dream meant. Does everybody understand that now? So he told me, you didn't ask me what the dream meant. And I said, well, okay, Lord, what does the dream mean? And before I could get that out of my mouth, he told me what the dream meant. Now this was after several minutes, maybe 30 minutes or so, of me trying to put it together myself. Now here's the thing, based on symbolisms and what things have meant in the past. Does everybody understand? So you could say, in a, I just give you for instance, somebody can have a dream where, um, maybe you have a dream that you're in an old house that you used to live in, that you used to live in. And then somebody just off the top of their head, you know, that have dealt with dreams will say, well, that means that you're back in a place that you don't belong. That means that you're somewhere back in the past, that you're dealing with old situations or something like that. Now, off the top of our head, that's what that could mean, and sometimes that's what it means. But if you're really in tune with the Holy Spirit, when you come up with that answer, and it's not what God intends for you to get out of it, it's something in you that won't be settled by your own understanding of it. Now, oftentimes, that's what people do, even, now listen, in the, in the past, that's what that dream had meant. 
That's what, that's what sometimes that means, that you're in an old place that you're not supposed to be in, and God is trying to get you to a new place, but you still got an old mindset. And so sometimes that's what that means, but not all the time. And if we're not careful, we can even take the spiritual things that we know were true at one time and that we know God had, had, had uh, revealed to us and then try to bring them into a new situation, listen, which is still your old understanding and it still equals you not trusting in God with your whole heart. So we have to trust in God with our whole heart about everything, about everything, and, and not allow our past experiences to dictate our understanding of things. And I love the way that it says that, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Now I'm telling you, we read that scripture, I could have asked you all, what does Proverbs 3 and 5 say? And most of you would have been able to quote it. You know, and I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, me personally, I'm not real big on quoting scriptures. Not really, really, really big on memorizing them. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I want to act like it's all brand new to me. When you become too familiar with something, it can lose its meaning to you. You don't meditate on it as much as you need to because you memorized it when you were three years old. And so it doesn't carry the same jolt to you as something that's brand new. So I, me personally, now this is just me, I try to keep all of God's word brand new to me. Because one of the biggest things, one of the biggest mistakes we can do as believers is to think we're already there when we're not. Sometimes we think because we know a scripture and because we've quoted it and because we've heard it preached on that some kind of way we've graduated from it. And the whole time we're sitting there struggling with it. The whole time. Look at what that says there. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own, unto thine own understanding. You know, oftentimes when the Lord reveals something to me or reveal it to one of his servants, it's above his head. It's above his pay grade. That's not, he's not, listen, we have to learn, brothers and sisters, to be led by the Spirit of God, even when it don't make sense to our natural senses. Most of you that are here, you moved here from another state. And I'm willing to bet about 90% of you, if not more, have heard the same thing from your concerned loved ones. Do you have a job already lined up there? How are you going to make it there? Who do you know there? How are you going to feed yourself? Why would you leave a place where you're already established? You already got a job where, and, and, and here's the big one, God is here in this state. He ain't just in Tennessee. Raise your hand if you heard that. <laughs> just so you know that there's really a devil out there promoting God and where he lives. And so what people do just out of flesh is they lean to their own understanding. Their own understanding is this. Just keep things the way that they are. Don't step out, listen, our own understanding, it keeps us from stepping out in the things of faith. And unfortunately, it keeps us from seeing and receiving the miracles of God. When I moved to the state of Tennessee, I had one duffel bag with me, just a few changes of clothes. And I, I'd say that God has blessed me with a whole lot more than that since then. And I, I'm sure after I moved here, people thought, you're not, there's no way in the world you're going to be here that long. 
But that was back in 2007 when I moved here, and I'm still here. And you know what I, what I learned is that oftentimes when God tells you to do something that's above even your understanding, and it's a, it's a sad situation to be in, to know what God has put in your heart to do, and, and, and you yourself is just stepping out on faith, and you yourself can't explain why, the why of it. It, that's, that's hard enough in and of itself. And then to have people around you who you know love you and are concerned about you popping all these questions in your head, bringing those things to your ears. How are you going to do this? How is that going to happen? How is this, you know, and you could ask, how are you breathing? When you go to sleep at night, how do you continue to breathe? There's not a doctor in this world that can explain that. Except the hand of God is squeezing in and out for you. There's not a doctor in this world that can explain how you breathe when you're sleeping. Does everybody understand that now? What happens when God stops doing this for a person? We try to take over and do it for them. We call it CPR. After a while, the paramedics, their arms get tired. Their shoulders get tired. They just about have to crack your chest plate to be able to push. And I don't know if you, anybody has ever had to do that, but that's not a, a good feeling to know. I'm just, I feel like I'm about to bust your rib cage, pushing down on your lungs, trying to get some air in and out of there. And there's God doing it without effort. So then you have to ask, how? How? How are you breathing? You're not even thinking about it. Except God is the one that's doing it for you. He's CPR in you all the time. How does your heart know to beat? How does it know how to do that? And then who turns it on and off? Who turns it off when it's time for you to go somewhere else? Does everybody see that now? So listen, brothers and sisters, if we can't explain just the natural things, if that's above the doctor's pay grade, then sure enough, walking by faith and stepping out and not leaning to your own understanding is above everybody else's pay grade. So if you can't ex explain the simplicity of life, breathing and having a heartbeat, if nobody can explain that, what makes that heart do that on its own? You ain't got to wind something up in your back. How many of y'all do that at home? That's, that's just time for y'all. Oh, look like daddy's about to check out. Let's wind him, let's wind him back up. So everybody understand now. You got people that can't explain, the whole world can't explain it. How, how, so how do we explain it? Faith. By faith, we live, we move, we have our being. In him we do that. So if in him we are able to even just move and live, then don't the rest of it fall on them? Does everybody understand now? I, I, I dare any devil <laughs> to come and question me. Does everybody understand now? About why? Why? Why are you doing this? Why don't you do it this way? There's only one way to follow God, and that's to follow Him. Does everybody see that now? If we, you know, you know why pride, the devil is the king of pride, and why pride is needed to go to hell? Because pride says I breathe on my own. But those of us, if we, if, if you don't have to, that's the reason why, let me, let me just explain it this way. People that reach the highest level of science, who actually sit down and think about life, 
they actually, if they were atheists, they actually come to the conclusion there's got to be a God. There has to be. How else, can, how else do you explain this? How else do you explain life? And so it takes pride, brothers and sisters, for somebody not to sit down and think, how am I breathing? How am I, how am I able to move on? What is it in my eyes that's got me able to see? My wife and I, we were watching a, a video the other day. Uh, some of you may, and I'm gonna just go ahead and put it out there. It, it's a man on YouTube. I can't remember what his name is, but his YouTube channel is Deer Meat for Dinner. How many of you have ever seen that YouTube channel? Deer Meat for Dinner. He, that's one of my favorite <laughs> YouTube channels. That, that man be out there doing some stuff. So do you all know how a camera works? And really our own eyes? So the way a, a camera works is it sees a image. But for you to see it the way you're supposed to see it, and some of you have experienced this, if you ever notice, if you record yourself on your camera, on your phone, on a regular video camera, if you look at it, sometimes that image is flipped around where the, shirts, the, the, the letters on your shirt are backwards. If you have an image over here, it might be over here. How many of you have ever seen that happen before? So that lets you know the quality of a camera a lot of times, or the quality of the program that you're using. So cameras, when they're, they're high end, they have something in it to flip the image so that it looks exactly the way it was when it was recorded. It's not flipping it. And so my wife and I, we were uh, watching this video, and this man, he, he was up uh, dinner meat for dinner. He was up in um, Alaska catching fish. And he caught, I can't remember what kind of fish it was. It was a big fish, though, <laughs> the, the edible kind. And he caught a fish, and uh, he was cleaning it. And he took, he popped the eyeball out. And he cut the eyeball open. And in that eyeball was a, like a little square, a triangle-looking thing. And he gave it to, I think, his daughter. And he said, look through there. And when she looked through there, and you could see it on, on video, everything was upside down. Everything was upside down. Now, that's not the way the fish saw things. But it's just something, by the time it gets from our brain to the front of our eyes, it's got to be flipped. And that's what that thing was. It, was, it flipped. I, I don't know what they call it. But even in fish, that's the case. Now, how, who, who come up with that? What scientist is out there making fish? What doctor is out there making it? But you know that's the same technology that's in this camera here. That's a part of the lens. It flips. So whoever designed cameras, they knew something about how God made the human eye. Does everybody understand that now? So you see now why it's important that we don't lean to our own understanding? And, and I'm saying this, all this to say this, that in everyday simple life, God is still in the details. In everyday simple life, we can't lean to our own understanding because we won't understand it. You would just assume that if you, from your brain to the front of your, what's in front of you is just straight up and down. But God put something on the inside of your eye to make it look like the way it's supposed to look. Now, isn't that truth? Isn't that the truth now? So let's say, for instance, we take God's lenses out of our eyeball. That will turn everything upside down. And we won't see things the way they appear. That's our understanding. When we remove God out of the equation, we don't see things the way we're supposed to see them. Now, look at what that says. This tells me to don't lean on that. Does everybody understand what that's saying now? Don't, listen, what do people do? Let's, now, let's think about that. What's the last word in that verse? What's the last word now? Understanding, isn't that right? What do we do with our understanding? Now, that, see, that's why we have to go way beyond verse 5. 
We're going to stay in verse 5, but we have to go beyond verse 5 and what it says. What do people do with their understanding? They make decisions. Life-changing decisions. With their own, with their understanding, whoever understanding it is, it belongs to them once they believe it. And they make decisions. Does everybody see that now? And I'm going to just, thank you, Lord. I'm going to just share with you what, what that means, what I'm talking about. So this morning, so this morning, my wife and I, I, I was, uh, we were up, we were up, we've been up since what, about 6 o'clock this morning? And we, and we barely made it here for church. And you may wonder why. Well, I'll tell you why. I woke up, I woke up at 3 this morning. Woke up at 3. And I, I prayed for a little while. And then I had this unction to work on this video that I that I had been working on to finish it. And I thought, nah, I'm going to wait. I'm going to lay back down. I laid back down. And, and then when I did finally decide to get up and start working on it, I was seeing all kind of mistakes. And I was seeing all kind of things that I needed to straighten up. So then that put me behind in getting ready for church. And so then, after that, we figured, well, we'll just go ahead and drive to church. Because our daughter came to get him. We told her, just go ahead. We, we're going to have to drive. We, we're running late in here. But then we thought, <laughs> all right, only one vehicle got some gas enough to get there and back. And it's the one my wife don't drive. <laughs> <laughs> So, so <laughs> my wife was out there cracking up the other vehicle like, eh, it looked like it's, no, uh-uh, we can't get there on look like. <laughs> if you know, you know gas needles like I know them, you crack them up and be quarter of a tank, and when you get down the street, <laughs> it's telling you, what are you doing? What you think, where you think you going? <laughs> but I just don't trust it. And then all the way to church, in between the Lord giving me this message. Because usually that, that's the reason why I don't drive, because I like to listen to the Lord when I'm on my way. But, you know, so on the way here, I thought we were just at the gas station yesterday getting gas for the lawnmowers. And I think it was my son, he asked, Dad, you want me to put gas in the truck? And I thought for a brief second, and I thought for another brief second. I was like, no, that's all right. That's all right. But just that quick. Just that quick. So here's what I'm saying. Us not following the leading, just however slight it was, it all culminated into this morning. All of it, all of those decisions, equaled this morning. Not being at church on time. Me having a drive when I don't normally drive to church. Me having to work on video and hurry up and try to get that right before we leave. Instead of doing it when I felt the unction to do it. Now it wasn't, in my mind, it wasn't thus said the Lord. Do the video three o'clock this morning. Does everybody understand? It wasn't thus said the Lord, get gas yesterday. But just these thoughts were coming to me, and I was making decisions, and all of those decisions equaled this morning. Does everybody understand that now? And so that's what our understanding does. If we have a wrong understanding, we'll be making bad decisions based on those wrong understandings, and because we're making bad decisions, we end up in a place we should not end up in. Just all based on our understanding. Because everybody understand now. The Bible tells us in the same book here, in all of your getting, get an understanding. Doesn't it say that now? Then that's not talking about your understanding. You come with that. 
It's talking about truth. To understand something is talking about truth. So it tells us not to lean on our own understanding. Isn't that right? Now let's think about this. Psychiatrists, whenever they're trying to fix marital issues between people, what they used to do is they would get the wife to stand in front of the husband with her back to him and tell her, just fall, fall backwards. The idea was to build trust. If you trust your husband, you'll trust that he'll be able to he'll catch you when you fall backwards. Now, you know, it's something about that. No matter how much you trust a person, and no matter how strong you think they are, it's just something about free falling. Does everybody understand? People don't like to move into the unknown of free falling. How many of you ever dove off of a off of a diving board? I mean the high diving board. The high one, not the one that's, you know, four feet above the water. How many of you ever jumped off of a bridge into the water? You know what people don't like about that feeling? You can't control the outcome. See, right now, I'm leaning on this floor. I can walk over here if I feel like it. I can walk over there if I feel like it. But try jumping off of something. Where are you walking to? <laughs> I mean, you ever seen somebody walk in there? In other words, you are no longer in control. And so that's the, that's the idea here about not leaning to your own understanding. People want to hold on to their own understanding because they feel like they have some type of control. I can control being on this floor and the gravity pulling my weight down to it. But the free falling, I don't want. And the free falling is where faith is, brothers and sisters. And people don't want the, the free falling. They don't want to just be out there in midair anywhere. Because now you have to trust in the wind of God to move you where he want to move you. Does everybody understand it now? So Proverbs 3 and 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Do y'all want to see this play out in God's word? I know I do. Let's go to the, uh, let's go to the book of Mark. We'll go to the fourth chapter of the book of Mark. And we're going to start reading at verse 35. It says, And the same day, when the evening was come, he said unto them, talking about his disciples, Let us pass over unto the other side. Does everybody see that? What did he say? Let us pass over. Let who? Us pass over to where? The other side. Everybody see that now? Now you pay attention to every word that's in that phrase. We'll get back to that. In verse 36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that, so that it was now full. Full of what? Water. Water. Verse 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship doing what? What was he now? Asleep on a what? Isn't that something? Brother Jones, so you have a boat and you go fishing on your fishing boat. Do you bring a pillow with you? Does everybody see that? Is, do you need pillows to catch fish? Now, we're talking about fishing boats here. These uh, men of God, they were fishermen by trade. What do you need a pillow for? 
Does everybody understand? So he had to bring that pillar on that boat. He intended on getting some sleep. Does everybody understand that? What kind of man go on a boat, fishing boat with a pillar? The kind that plan on <laughs> sleeping. Does everybody see that? And the kind that can speak fish into the net. Look what it says there, verse 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Isn't that something? Now, again, you pay attention to every word that's in this Bible. He wasn't back there tossing and turning. He was comfortable. Does everybody understand? He planned on being as comfortable as he could be on a ship. Uh, think about it. He could have been sleeping like this. You know, if you read the other Gospels, they don't say he was sleeping on a pillow. But this Gospel said he was sleeping on a pillow. It says that for a reason. God intend for us brothers and sisters to get some rest in this life. And I mean some good rest. And I don't mean just naturally so. I mean in our spirit man. And now you pay attention to your life. Think about when you're going through something in your life that's difficult to deal with. You can sleep 12 hours in a night and still feel like you haven't rested well. Why? Because your flesh is asleep, because it needs sleep, but your spirit man is still up pacing the floor. Wondering how, why, when, who, Lord, please. So you got people, they can sleep eight, nine hours a night, wake up and still tired, still yawning, still sleepy. Why? Because their spirit man is not resting. Does everybody see that now? But Jesus Christ, <laughs> he was sleeping, his spirit man was on the pillow right there with him. Let's go ahead and keep reading now. It, uh, this is something. Verse 38, and he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they did what? What did they do? They woke him up. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if I'm ever around you and sleep, don't you come poke the bear. Does everybody understand that now? Yeah, you better let this bear sleep. <laughs> My wife will tell you, you know, especially if I'm having a dream from the Lord, <laughs> that, that, I don't like that. I don't like being, just let me sleep. I'll wake up in a few days if the Lord want me to. But I, I get so many dreams from the Lord, I don't like that being disturbed because I might never get back in there and get it, get the rest of it. So they came and woke him up. Now, this is this woke society. God prefer us to be asleep in faith. Does everybody understand that now? Yeah. When you sleep, you're not thinking about anything. You're just living. You're just moving. You're just breathing, and you're having your being in Jesus Christ when you are asleep. You're not controlling anything. How many of you ever went to sleep on your back and woke up on your stomach? Or went to sleep on your stomach and woke up on your back? Or woke up on your side? Do you know we don't do those things consciously? Do you know you still move when you're asleep? And you know, brothers and sisters, I've heard of cases, some people so greedy, they have actually slept, walked, and cooked in their sleep. A whole meal. Go look it up. And that's when you got a real devil. <laughs> God prefer us to rest. He prefer that we rest the same way Jesus Christ was rested. And I'm going to tell you something. As soon as you get into that Good sleep. You know how you, you got these different levels of sleep. And as soon as you get into that good level of sleep, where you're just, everything's just resting on God and you're walking by faith, what happens? 
you get a phone call. Somebody's there to wake you up. Out of your faith. Somebody is there to wake you up out of your faith. Out of your rest. And you pay attention to that. Somebody is there to disturb and cut off this dialogue that you're having with the Lord. This rest dialogue where you just there and he's moving in you to do whatever he wills in your life. And you know, it's always the people. If you pay attention, when people are that way, just, you know, I mean, just naturally so, they're going to be full of worry, just all the time, just worry, worry, worry. And they think something is wrong with you because you're not worried. Full of anxiety, got, you know, panic attacks, all of that, taking pills for it. And then, so how are you? What's wrong with you? You got all that going on. Why aren't you afraid? Does everybody understand that now? You pay attention to the people that come and wake you up out of the sleep that God has given you or the rest that God has given you. They're going to always be pacing the floor. It's going to always be something that they're worried about. Always something in their life that they're trying to fix all the time. Look what that says there. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we what? That we what now? Perish. Let's think about that. There's the Lord back there getting some sleep. Resting. Now he was the one that's been doing all the preaching. So he needed his rest. And here they come because of their own situation and because of their own understanding about the situation. They bother him with it. And you know that's the way it is. People who have no faith and don't care to have it will wake up the people that do and try to get you right on board with their lack of faith. And you know what they'll blame it on? Do you really care? If you cared, you sit on the phone with me for five hours and listen at me and my faithless talk. If you cared, you listen at me rehearse this storm that I'm going through. You could talk to them for about an hour and just try to encourage them and say, but you know, there's, there's, the sun is always shining, even on the other side of the storm. It's got a sun on the other side of the, side of the clouds. You said, just keep living. What's that got? I'm right now, I'm talking about now. I'm going through, and I need for you to go through with me. That's what they do. So look what they, it, to me, it's funny that they ask them that. Do you not care? We'll get to that last part later. Do you not care? Now here they are, talking to a man that healed the sick, raised the dead, produced more food than what they see originally in front of them. He, that, it was passion, compassion that did that. But listen, when people are busy working, when they're busy worrying, then to them, faith looks like carelessness. Do you even care about your own family? How you gonna pick up and move your whole family somewhere you ain't never been? Like this? <laughs> Does everybody understand now? Brothers and sisters, don't let the devil pull you into the bizarro world. You're a believer, you're supposed to walk by faith. You're not giving a, getting to heaven without your faith walk being proven. Faith has to be proven, brothers and sisters. By what? By works. Does everybody understand that? Can a man say that he have faith without works? No. If you have faith, it's going to be something there to show for it. 
Does everybody understand that now? Look what it says. Master, cares not thou. In other words, do you even care about us? And listen, brothers and sisters, that's what panic, they were panicking. The boat was full of water, and no doubt they'd already been working for hours, probably trying to get the water out of the boat. The Bible says that the boat was full of water. Now, it was at least 12 men in that boat, besides the one that was sleeping. You think a 13th man was going to make the difference? If you get your little bucket and hurry up and get it, you know, help us, we can defeat this. No. <laughs> I tell you, people are funny. We're gonna, so what did they say? We're going to perish. Do you not care that we're going to die? Why not just let the Lord die in his sleep if that's the way he chose to go? No, we want to wake you up so you can be frightened before we perish. We're about to all die. Isn't that something now? I'm trying to show you the selfish mindset of people that don't rest. When they don't rest, they don't want people around them resting because to them it looked like nobody cares for me. I feel like I'm in this boat by myself casting out this water. How dare you sleep on the backside of the boat and on a pillow? What kind of child of God are you? Isn't that something now? Uh, we want to point something out here. What did they say? Master. In other words, teacher. Did they believe that? I can tell you, and I can show you they didn't believe it. Let's go back now to verse 35. And the same day when the even was come, he said unto them, let us pass over unto what? The other side. So why are they calling him master if they don't believe him? He didn't say, let me pass over to the other side. He said, let us pass over to the other side. He had already, listen brothers and sisters, before every storm you go through, the Lord already gives you the other side of the storm. It is your job to hold on to that. He had already given them something to hold on to. What was it? His word. Let us pass over to the other side. Now, didn't he say that? You think he believed it? Yeah, he believed it. How we know? He was sleeping. Listen, in his sleep, do you think he was aware of a storm? No. And brothers and sisters, I can tell you this. When I was in California, stationed in California, I slept through a many of um, earthquakes. I'd wake up, stuff moved around in my apartment. What was, what, what was on the cabinet is on the floor. All of that. But you know what? I slept right through it. Walk outside, folks frightened, eyes big. Some of them looking like they about ready to give their life to the Lord. I slept through it. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, when you rest in God, that storm don't hurt as much. It don't sting as much. Everybody understand that now. When you rest in God, you ain't thinking about how much water is in the boat. Does everybody understand that now? Look what that says now. Master, carest thou not that we perish, verse 39, and he arose and did what? What did he do? He rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. Now, this is twofold. He rebuked the wind, the thing that was causing the uproar with the sea. And then he told the sea, peace, be still. 
He had to do both of those. He had to do both of those. If he had just told the, the sea, peace be, be still, and he didn't rebuke the wind, then the wind would have just kept roaring, and then the sea would have obeyed the wind. The sea would have just got right back up to where it was before. If he had just rebuked the wind and not told the sea, peace be still, the wind would have left, but then the sea would have still been in an uproar. He had to do both. He had to rebuke the cause, and he had to tell the fruit of it to be still. And I'm going to tell you, so this is what the Lord is telling us today, brothers and sisters. If we want to get back in that place of rest in our lives, we have to rebuke the wind. In other words, the spirit that's bringing about the turmoil. And that spirit might be in an individual that say that they love you. We have to rebuke that. And then we have to speak to our spirit man and tell it, calm down. Don't let it worry you. Don't you get all tangled up in that. Does everybody understand that now? Because you know what? You can rebuke the, 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 uh, the wind. In other words, you can rebuke the spirit that's bringing about the foolishness, but that don't mean that your spirit man is calmed down. That don't mean that you're settled. All the devil got to do is come and put something in your brain, and, and if you accept it, you'll take it from there. So you still have another step. You still have to speak to your spirit and say, calm down. Be at peace. Be still. So look what it says, verse 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great, what? Calm. Now here's something. Let me think about this. Verse 41. And they feared exceedingly. Isn't that something? <laughs> I say, isn't that something? They were more afraid than they were before. Okay, so first we were afraid of this water and all this wind and out here. Now we're scared of you. Who in the world are you? I tell you, I could have been the Lord. Y'all should have left me sleep then. If y'all didn't want to see all this power, y'all should have let me just stay on sleeping. That's what y'all get. <laughs> Does everybody understand? <laughs> now here's the lesson in this, brothers and sisters. You can call on God. Well, let me back up. Why weren't they able? Why didn't they rebuke the, the wind? and talk to the sea. You think they couldn't hear from God? If the Lord was right there on the ship and, and, God, and the Lord had already spoken, you think God, that it wasn't meant for them to do that? But what kept them from coming up with that idea? What kept the Lord from being able to even speak that into their spirit? You just rebuke the, the wind and speak to the sea. Why couldn't they hear that? Because of fear. Fear had them in panic mode. And you can't hear from God when you're panicking. You only, the only thing that pleases God is faith. You can't hear God when you're panicking. You, you're too busy leaning to your own understanding. Does everybody understand that? So let's think about this now. Let's read verse 41, uh, verse 40. It says, And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Everybody see that? Now, look at what it says. Now, you pay attention to that. Now, in verse 39, didn't he already rebuke the wind and, and made the sea be still? Didn't he already do that? But look at what he says in verse 40. And he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? Did he ask them, 
why were ye so fearful? He asked them, why are you so fearful? Now, you know what that tells me? God can, if God came in your life and you were anxious and you were fearful and you were worrisome and he came, he wiped away everything that was, had you in an uproar and wiped away everything that had you anxious, you would still be anxious. You just find something else to be anxious about. Okay, Lord, so you did that with the little, little water and the wind. What about the rocks we're about to hit over here? Worry is going to find something to worry about. Fear is going to find something to be afraid of. Does everybody understand that now? You got people in the world. Now, I can understand having, just naturally so, having a fear of snakes. I can understand, just naturally so. You know, they're sneaky. They look like they're smiling at you, but they're really, you know, measuring you out to see where they're going to strike at. I can, I can understand you not wanting to sit on the couch next, you know, next to a snake. I, I, I can understand that. But then you got some folks, I ain't scared of no snake. I, I rebuke a snake in a minute. But they're scared of clowns. <laughs> you know those are people, don't you? No, I just want to make sure you understand. Those are people. <laughs> you can run just as fast as they can, I'm sure. And they probably have a harder time running with them shoes on. So they're not anything to fear. So does everybody understand now? You can have a person not afraid, not fearful of snakes, and, and afraid of clowns. <laughs> fear is going to find something to be afraid of. Does everybody understand that now? You got some people afraid of small spaces. What they call it, claustrophobia? I'm in a small space, I'm afraid. But you know they'll get right in the car and drive to work. Isn't that a small space? You trapped on that highway. You ain't getting out and walking. Does everybody understand what I'm saying now? So he asked them, why are you so fearful? Why are you? And then they went on to prove this point. And they feared exceedingly and said what? One to another. What kind of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? We scared of you now. That's not talking about the reverential fear. That's talking about when you can go on back and get on your little pillow and we'll be over here trying to figure out whether or not we want to keep following you. <laughs> Does everybody understand now? So if you can imagine now, just picture this, brothers and sisters. They're in a boat. These are fishermen by trade. So they're not afraid of a little wind. They're not afraid of, of, of you know, they're used to the sea and the wind and the waves beating up against the boat. They're used to that. So this must have been some fearsome storm that was kicked up for fishermen to be panicking this way. And more than likely they got their buckets trying to get the water out of the boat. They're working, probably bumping into each other, running into each other, panicking. They were doing all of this because, and I listen very carefully, of what Proverbs 3 and 5 says, because they leaned on their own understanding. What was the understanding? Verse 38, the last part of the verse, master, now y'all pay close attention to the wording, master, Carest thou not that we perish? Their understanding, their own understanding, was they were about to die. Notice how they said it. Notice how they asked the question. Do you not care that we're about to die, that we're perishing? They didn't say that we're having trouble, that is water in the boat. Their understanding was, I'm about to die. And 
they were acting accordingly. Now, for those of us who have been in a few relationships, some of us have experienced fear in a relationship. Fear that we were going to lose the person, fear that they were going to abandon us. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand about that. But you know what's funny about that fear? It makes you carry out what you believe. When you fear that you're going to lose something, you start working on losing that something. And you're, you can't help but to try. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And no matter how much you try, it's still moving towards, listen, your understanding. Your understanding. That's life. You're going to act out what you believe. Even if it's terrible, even if you don't want to experience it, don't matter whether or not you want to experience it, even if you don't want to experience it, you're going to act out your understanding, what you believe. They believed that they were going to perish. And that is what was playing out in their lives. The Lord believed what he said. Let us go over to the other side. And because he believed that, it wasn't nothing for him to just stand up and rebuke the wind and tell the sea to be still. And it obeyed him. You know why? The same way your circumstances obey you out of fear. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that you are God's. You know what that means? You create your own world and you live in it. Whatever you speak over your life, that's the way it's going to be. Even out of fear, even if it's something that you don't want to go through, it's going to happen because that's your understanding and that's what you believe. So this word tells us, don't lean on your own understanding because your own understanding is, I'm going to perish. This ain't going to go right. What's going to happen with this? What's going to happen with that? What, is, what are we going to do? And just unknowingly to you, you start playing out and start living what you believe. Ask anybody that's ever been in a relationship that they didn't want to see fall apart and they were praying and asking God, God, please let it work out. Please let it work out. And you're doing it out of panic. You know what you're going to do? You're going to you think in your mind, you think in your mind, when they get home, I'm going to love on them. I'm going to wash their feet. I'm going to anoint their head with all. I'm going to do all of that. God, I don't want to lose them. <laughs> Is that the way it play out? Where you been? <laughs> with, with the bucket of anointing oil in your hand. <laughs> Does everybody understand that now? <laughs> so you see, brothers and sisters, faith rests in God. Faith rests in God. Let's think about this now. Two people in the Old Testament. According to the Old Testament law, both of them should have died. But only one of them died. We'll talk about the first one that the first one that died. The children of Israel were bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, and you know the story. David's on the roof, dancing before the people, rejoicing. Got a big—I mean, it was a big—it was a big procession. You think about it; it was a big parade. He had the people in front of the Ark playing instruments and the. People behind them singing. It was a big, that was a big deal. The presence of God is coming back into Jerusalem. That means we get to win wars. Then that ox cart, it hit a bump. And that Ark of the Covenant, the box that it was in, it began to fall over. And a man that was just happening to walk by the ox cart, just probably pumping his fist, you know, all of that. He reached down to keep the ark from hitting the ground. And the Bible says that the anger of God was kindled against him 
and God struck him dead. He died. So when they now dancing going on, and everybody, the whole band stopped. People stopped singing. Oh, wait a minute, there's a breach here. Something's wrong. Then they turned that ark, and it didn't get to come into Jerusalem. Let's send this to another man's house, and let's pray about this and see what we did wrong. Then you had another man. Him and his group of soldiers were out and about. They were hungry. They were close to the temple of God. And they went in that temple. They didn't have a mind to fast. God hadn't called them to fast. They went in that temple. And listen, and went up to the table that the ark was sitting on. What they called the showbread. And they ate the holy bread of God. Which was unlawful. Which was punishable by death. Ate it. And then just kept on marching to their next war. Why didn't he die? We're talking about King David. Because he did it by faith. You know what this Bible says in the book of Romans? Anything that's not of faith is sin. Do you know it's a sin for you to be in a marriage that you don't think is going to work out? If you ain't in whatever you're in, by faith, it is a sin to you. So then we have a choice to make. So you think about it. Well, does that mean that I got to do everything by faith? Y yes, it does, including eating. <coughs> That's the reason why we bless our food. You have to do everything by faith. Well, that don't make sense. That don't seem fair. Well, how many of you, before you sat down, you looked and checked the bench that you're sitting on to make sure it was going to hold you? Raise your hand if you did. Raise your hand if you had one of your children walk across it and you kind of pressed down on it and, okay, yeah, this looked like it'll hold up. Raise your hand if you did. So if you know how to sit down by faith, you ought to know how to live by faith in every detail of your life. So they're standing now. So y'all sitting down, right? If you're sitting down in here, raise your hand. So how many of you sitting there, you still holding your weight up with your legs some kind of way? I'm not, I don't trust it that much. Can't trust it that much. So you know how to rest. You know how to completely rest. How to trust in something with all of your heart. You know how to do it. But the question is, does God get a chance? Will you trust in him the same way you trusted in those seats out there? Does everybody understand that now? Brothers and sisters, there's only one way to live this life for Christ. We're going to have to trust in him with our, own, our whole hearts and lean not into our own understanding. You know why? Because our own understanding will have us panicking and it will have us bringing things to pass in our life that's not supposed to happen. We have to learn to trust God with our whole heart. Rest in him. Does everybody understand that? And I, I'm not talking about resting your head on this wood. I'm talking about bringing a pillow to this life. Plan on sleeping. Does everybody understand now? Because other than that, the devil will come jolt you out of it. Every time a little wind happened. Uh, you know, when I, I tell you, uh, when I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oklahoma is notorious for tornadoes. And, and I worked uh, in the news, I worked in, uh, worked at a TV station, especially in the news department. We would and I'm telling you, all it takes is for one, one, all it took was for one tornado to come through. And for the next year, you know what happened? We go live on TV. Yeah, there's a cloud in the sky. Okay, it's gone now. Oh, there's another cloud. Breaking news. There's a cloud. We see a cloud. And it was really that bad. Because the idea was nobody, no TV station, wanted to miss it this time. And you see what the devil will do for people's lives? 
You get a few jolts in your life, a few surprises, and from that point on, you're anxious and you're worried. I gotta watch out for this. I gotta watch it, because the last time I was asleep, this happened. And it'll be breaking news every time, all the time in your life. That's, that's a cloud. Does everybody see that now? Brothers and sisters, everything ain't an emergency. <laughs> and when you got faith, ain't none of it an emergency. Well, praise God, I get to go to heaven today. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Yeah, that, that's faith talk. Does everybody understand now? I want you to think about something. The disciples on the other side of the Holy Spirit being given to mankind. In the verses that we just read there, they told the Lord, don't you care that we perish? On this side of the Holy Spirit being given, you know what they would have been thinking? Praise God, we get to die with our master. Praise the Lord, we get to die with him. If today is our day, we're going to heaven together. That's faith talk. Praise God, I get to see you just like you are the Lord Jesus Christ. I, you know, there were times you spoke to me, now I get to, I get to see where that voice was coming from. Not worried about death, and I'm not worried about anything in between birth and death. It's all up to you anyway. You know, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if we don't learn nothing else, let's learn this. You are not in control. And you can't tell God what storms to send your way and what you are ready for. You have to learn to just trust God. Does everybody understand that now? You don't get to tell the Lord, I, I ain't ready. Just send a little, just send a little bitty wave. Let me see how I do with that one. <laughs> no, I'm gonna send the one that you think is gonna kill you. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? I'm gonna I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna buckle you to your knees. You're going to learn to pray. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the word that you spoke to us today. God, we ask that you will help us to rest in you, O oh Lord. Forgive us for the times that we panicked in our lives. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we didn't trust in you with our whole hearts. And for the times we tried to lean to our own understanding. Lord, help us to come to you today, trusting completely in you, and giving up everything we think we understand outside of your word, O oh God. Lord, we ask that you will give us an understanding by faith. And we accept what you say, Lord, even when our present circumstances don't look like it. Lord, help us to know that we cannot control the outcome of our lives and the path that you have placed us on. So give us willing hearts, Lord, to serve you, to serve you with gladness. Help us, Lord, in those times when challenging times will come. Help us to remember what we've heard today so that we don't move away from it, so that we can be pleasing in your sight. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, brothers and sisters. If that's all now, we'll go and be dismissed, and we'll uh, head to the back and discuss some of what we've heard today. So we'll dismiss now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs>